The battle is real, but praise God, the battle, come on, the battle belongs to the Lord. That's exactly right. Hey, go ahead and have a seat. Grab your Bibles, and we're on a race for time. I uh, just want you to know that right off the bat here. But here's what I want to, uh, I want to say right as we get started. Thanks, bro. If you're here today and you're truly in Jesus Christ, there is a battle going on and the battle is real and the battle is dangerous. Now, I don't tell you that to scare you. We talked about that last week. I'm not trying to scare you. In fact, today I'm trying to, you'll see by the time we get done, I'm trying to breathe some life into you that the battle is real and yet we are victorious because of the work of Jesus Christ. But the reality is that we're in the middle of it, and we started that last week. We heard from the word of God that our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? How many of you had to remind yourself a couple times this week, you're not the enemy, you're not the enemy? Anybody had to? <laughs> okay, that's good, that's work, that's growth. Now, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It is against an ancient, evil enemy in the invisible spiritual realm. And from what I understand, from conversations I've had and things I've heard about, I've made some of you very uncomfortable with that. When you stop and think about the fact that there are millions and millions, an uncounted number of demons that are at work on the other side of the invisible veil that we have between us and the spiritual realm, and they can see us, and they're studying us, and they're working against God's people. But, but brothers and sisters, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be concerned about that because you are in Jesus Christ. And we're gonna work on that today. There's a lot of things that we don't need to know about demons. In fact, I gotta just tell you that I, we're gonna talk about Satan today and I just want you to know that I'm only scratching the surface of truth that the scripture tells us about him. I can't. I, I've even gone two different edits on this sermon to just, I can't do that, it's too much, I can't do that, that's too much. So we're not exhausting everything we need to know about him. Um, there's gonna be a lot that we can't know about the demons and their work and Satan. And it's, I just wanna tell you that it's very dangerous to play around like some do um, with this very powerful, stratified, well-organized demonic horde that is fighting against us. Some people are obsessed with it. Uh, that's dangerous, but I just want you to know that God in his word believes it's important for us to know who our enemy is. And so today there are some things that you need to know about Satan. That's the title of the sermon. Now, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote about this, and I wanna start with this quote with him. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to believe in their existence, to prob I'm sorry, one is to disbelieve in their existence, the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They, the devils, are equally pleased with both errors. So we wanna be good stewards today of our time and of the word of God. And just let me start with this, that you are a child of God, and if you are a child of God, then Satan is your enemy, and the battle is real. How foolish, right? How, none of us would go into battle um, 
having not first spent some time studying who we're fighting against and understanding their strategies and understanding that they're coming after us and um, learning what they're all about and the fact that they want to destroy God's people and destroy everything that is dear to us. And so we're gonna study about today the one who is called the enemy of our souls. So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter five. We're gonna jump all over the scriptures today. And so um, it's gonna be like an old time Bible drill. You know when they call out the, the, the verse and you gotta go right to it? Well, that's what we're gonna do today as we work down through all these things that we're going to learn. First Peter chapter five. And what I want to say before we get into the first truth here is that there is a real and ominous villain in the scriptures here, in the redemptive plan of the scriptures, and his name is Satan. And the first thing we want to learn about him, the first truth is that Satan is real and he's powerful. It's not just something in your mind. It's not just something that somebody has made up so that there's a villain in our story. Satan is real and Satan is powerful. Satan is in the spiritual realm, but he is very real and powerful nonetheless. First Peter 5, 8. Stay alert, Paul says. Now this is written to us as believers. Stay alert. Be sober-minded. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The first thing is Satan is real. Uh, One commentator, uh, I have it on the screen for you, wrote this about him. Scripture is clear about Satan's very real and personal existence. He was once the chief angel, the anointed cherub, the star of the morning, who sparkled with all the jewels of created beauty until he rebelled against his creator and tried to usurp his power and glory. You and I, if you've been in the word at all, you understand and you've read the story of the Garden of Eden where God creates this perfect environment, puts man and woman in this perfect environment, there is no sin, and all of a sudden, Satan appears. And you remember, he came in the form of a, what did he come? In the form of a serpent, exactly. And he came in a very real way, this wasn't some figurative thing that happened, That serpent came and tempted Adam and Eve. They experienced him in the very real way. Jesus himself spoke about Satan, but he spoke to Satan. Paul, Peter, James, John, and the writer of Hebrews, all of them speak about Satan as being a personal being. When we read the scriptures, we can see him physically at work. You can read about him opposing God's work, perverting God's word, tempting God's servants, hindering the advancement of the gospel, fighting with Michael, the archangel, and bringing sin into the world. You can actually read accounts in the gospels of Satan actually possessing people, entering into people. He's very real. In fact, 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Maybe I should read that again for emphasis. Can I read that again for emphasis? The whole world is under the control of the evil one. That isn't written in the past tense. The whole world used to be in control. My friends, listen closely. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, anybody listening to the news these days? 
Anybody having their eyes open to see what's going on? I had the privilege yesterday, and by the way, thank you, um, all of you who showed up to do the spruce up on the church and the spring outside stuff and all the new mulch and everything looks awesome. We had quite the army here, so I just want to thank you all for coming and, and making that a priority and helping us get ready for Easter, which is going to be an awesome time next week. But as you were all working out there, I had the distinct privilege of going to India. So I've been to India and back this weekend, and um, I'm really jet-lagged right now. I'm just joking. I I was there on a Zoom call. Um, (laughs) But I was in India and had the real awesome privilege of preaching to um, a seminary over there under the um, leadership of our missionary Abraham Thomas. And so um, over 100, I don't know how many were there, but over 100 people were there online um, for this teaching time in their seminary. But our hearts broke as we heard from those in Myanmar, um, just right over the border, that are suffering, and they actually were able to join in. And we had quite the prayer time over all the evil that is going on in that part of of the world. And that's happening everywhere, not to our surprise if we understand the scripture and the truth about Satan. And this truth here that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Satan is actually referred to 250 times in the New Testament alone. If you work that out, that's almost like one time per chapter Satan is referred to. He's described in such terms as the ruler of demons the ruler of this world, the God of this world, the prince and the power of the air. He's referred to as the great dragon, the vile one, the accuser of the brethren. We'll talk about that a little later. And the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. 52 times in the Bible, he's called Satan, which means the adversary. 35 times he's called the devil, which means the slanderer or the accuser. And 10 times, He's called the evil one. And all I want to say about this is that Satan is a very real adversary working in the world today. Here's the second thing we need to know about him is that he's powerful. Satan is powerful. This is still in point one, by the way. Let's go back to 1 Peter 5.8. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. So keep an eye out for him. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Interesting that they use this analogy of the lion. Now, in the ancient world, in the time that this was written, the lion was the most feared predator of the ancient world, kind of like sharks to spring breakers. (laughs) How many of you are afraid of sharks? Like, you won't go in the water when you go, yeah, well, some of you. I know Robin is like, I'm not going in the dark water. (laughs) The lion was uh, the one most likely to catch his prey. And they would have understood that. But let's, let's dive into this a little bit. What is he doing? What do we first, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. What's he doing? First of all, what is he doing? He is, come on, say it out loud. He's prowling. He's not sunning himself. He's not taking a nap somewhere. He's not taking the day off. And you need to understand that. Satan has always been at work and will always be at work opposing the plans of God and the people of God until until God throws him down into the pit forever and ever to burn in hell. 
So he's at work and he's prowling around. And what else is he doing? What's the next thing? He prowls around like a what? A roaring lion. He's roaring, which might suggest that he's angry and he's displaying his confidence and he's claiming his territory. What else is he doing? He's looking. He's looking deliberately and intentionally searching for someone that he can, what's the next word? Come on, say it out loud. To devour, do you know that he's not just trying to hinder you from being successful in your walk with the Lord? He's not just trying to cripple you so that you lose your effectiveness. He wants to rip your head off and ravenously consume you. That's what lions do. And it's important that you understand the power that he has. He wants to totally kill your work for Christ and his kingdom. He wants to devour your victory. He wants to steal your faith. He wants to rip apart your marriage and he wants to rip apart your family. He's trying to devour us. What a picture that is. He's powerful and he should not be underestimated. I want to just pause for a second and say to you that um, outside of the Holy Spirit of God, you have no power over Satan. I want you to know that. Um, He's more powerful than us. He's not God. We're going to talk about that later on, but he's more powerful than you and I. Don't ever get in a situation where you're going up against Satan outside of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't ever get to where you think so highly of yourself that you're gonna enter into this arena with him outside of the power of the Holy Spirit of God because without being armed with the armor of God, without holding the sword of the Spirit and having the Spirit of God indwelling in you and guiding you and controlling you, you're toast because Satan is powerful. And that's all I need to say about that at this point. Satan is real and powerful. Let's keep on moving. Truth number two. Satan disguises himself. So I, after the first service, um, I asked, because I asked this question in the first service, I'm gonna ask you, does anyone know what Satan looks like? Has anyone ever seen him? And no one raised their hand in the service like no one's raising it here, but afterwards I had people come up and say, I've seen him. And... Um, Interesting. Did you know that the, the internet's amazing? Do you know that all you have to do, you can ask the internet anything and it'll tell you the truth? <laughs> it will. All you have to do is say, picture of Satan, and I found a picture of Satan. I did. You want to see it? And there it is. <laughs> um, is this what he looks like? How do you know? You know, if you go on the internet, don't do this. Do not do this. I did. It's twisted. I typed in picture of Satan. You do not believe some of the things that are popping up that people have in their minds of what Satan looks like. Very scary things. You want to know the truth? Anybody up for some truth? Yeah, okay, here we go. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. 
Satan disguises himself as what? Come on. As an angel of light. You know why you don't know what Satan looks like? Because he disguises himself. That's what God wants you to know. What's the point of a disguise? Why would you disguise yourself? It's to hide your identity. It's to conceal your identity. You don't want people to know, right? Now follow me on this. You're not going to see him coming because he's disguising himself. That's what he does. In fact, let me just say this to you. If you were to see Satan coming and you knew it was Satan, what would you do? Jeff, what would you do? I know you. I know what you'd do. You'd armor up. You'd get out your sword. and You'd be standing there ready for him. And let me tell you, what did we learn last week? That if you stand and you oppose Satan, what will he do? He will flee from you. And he knows that. He knows that he cannot stand in the presence of a fully armored, spirit-controlled child of God. And so if they stand and oppose him, he has to flee. So why do you think? You think he would just come at you knowing that, okay, I'm Satan, here I come. No, he's disguising himself. He doesn't want you to see him coming. He wants to disarm you. Otherwise, you'd be alert. No, he's more crafty than that. He's coming as an angel of light. He disguises himself in light. He comes looking the opposite of what he truly is, the author of darkness. That's how he's coming to us. But I want you to see something else that's even more devious and I think more dangerous because he has servants who are disguising themselves also. Look at verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 11. His servants are people These people are false apostles. You see that? They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. They disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, and in the end, they will get the punishment that their wicked deeds deserve. But what we need to understand, my friends, is that Satan has people, not just demons at work. He has people who are his servants, and they're disguising themselves As apostles of Christ, they're describing themselves as servants of righteousness. What does that mean? That means that they're in the world today, but they're also in the church. Disguising themselves, but they're servants of Satan. Disguised to come in to draw people away. That's scary. We've got to be very careful with whom we associate. We've got to stay alert The Bible teaches us that we need to test everyone who speaks and everything you hear against God's word and the truth of God's word. Because not everyone who speaks for Christ speaks for Christ. Not everyone who stands for Christ actually stands for Christ. God's true children need to be testing everything against the truth of God's word. We've got to bring the real light of God's word to bear against the imposter, the deceiver, the one who has disguised himself as an angel of light and all his servants who masquerade as servants of righteousness in order to determine if what they are saying is what and what we are seeing in them is true and is of God because Satan's at work trying to deceive us. And listen to me closely. 
He's planting weeds among us. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the farmer. Remember the parable that Jesus told of the farmer who had a field and the field was planted and the servants came and when they, when they came to the field, they saw that the weeds were growing up with the wheat. So there was the healthy plant and there were these weeds that were growing up in and amongst the wheat. And they went to the, the farmer and they said, what do we do? Should we start picking weeds? And the farmer said, no, just let the weeds grow up with the wheat because in the end, we're going to test it by fire and the fire will burn up all the weeds. And Jesus gives the, the, the reason that he gave that parable in, in uh, Matthew 13, 38, where he says, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. And the enemy, get this right, the enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. And so you need to understand he's got his servants, but the enemy, Satan, is also planting seeds amongst God's people that are false witnesses of Jesus Christ. They're not true children. And we've got to be careful because that's part of his strategy. Okay, truth number three. Let's keep on rolling. Um, Satan hates Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 12. You want to take your Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read about this. Verse one, it says, I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. And what this is describing is Jesus' entrance, Jesus the Messiah, his entrance into the world. Verse three, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten hordes with seven crowns on his head. Now this is a figurative description of Satan here. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky. That goes back to what we read about in Isaiah where he took a third of the angels of the host of heaven with him and he threw them to the earth. And here it is, he stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. This is a very descriptive example of this truth, that Satan hates Jesus. You need to understand this truth. Um, his fight and his anger is against Jesus Christ not us. Now, it seems to be a, a counterintuitive, and that seems to go against what I taught last week, that the fight is among us. It is among us. But I want you to understand, very little, if anything, that happens to us in this world is not about us. Do you get that? I don't want to hurt your feelings and everything of what you think about your place in the world, but not a whole lot of what's going on in the world is about us. Don't think you agree with me on that. You know that the blessings that God pours out on his people, 
we receive his blessings and we're thankful for him. But you know that his blessings is not for us, it's for his own glory? Do you understand that? His provision in your life is to be able for you to be able to use that provision to serve him for his glory? Well, the same is going on in the spiritual realm. You gotta understand that you are not the main target. Jesus is. Satan is at work and his main target is defeating Jesus because he hates Jesus. And he's at work in the world to stop everything that Jesus is doing. But here's what we know. He can't touch Jesus. He tried. And he just can't do it. He has no authority over Jesus. He has no power over Jesus. He can't touch Jesus. And so what does he do? If you can't touch the person that you hate, what's your next option? Go after the ones that he loves. Oh, and by the way, we're not Jesus, right? Uh, we're weak. And so if he's going to stop the plans of Jesus on earth, the will of God on earth, he's gonna go after those that Jesus loves because he hates the things that Jesus loves. There's for your notes, right? You can write that in there. He can't stop the light himself, so go hinder and tempt and draw away and neuter the children of light so that you can somehow stop the advancement of the light on the earth. He's already tried getting to Jesus, and so that's not working, so he's coming after us, and this is where the battle is taking place, but what I want your minds to understand is that you are not the ultimate target. Here's another thing Satan is, is he's accuser, he's an accuser of God's children. You can see that in Revelation 12, 10, but one pastor described it like this. I love how he put this. There is going on in heaven at all times a conversation. Satan comes to God and he says, do you see Frank and Sarah over there? Do you see what they're doing? There's no way that they can be your children and act like that because he knows that we're weak, right? Are we weak? Do we sin? Do we fail? And so the accuser of the brethren is coming is what he's called. He comes after us. He stands before God and he says, look at them, they're fakers. They can't be your children and act like that. There's the accusation. And then the father turns to the son and he says, what do you have to say about that? Jesus steps forward and he says, father, I paid for those sins. They've been washed in my blood their sins are forgiven. We forgave their sins past, present, and future. Don't you remember, Father, that we cast their sins as far as the east is from the west and we buried them in the deepest sea to be remembered against them no more. And what Jesus is doing here is he is interceding for Frank and Sarah. And just like he is doing for them, he is doing for you right now in heaven because the accuser is accusing the brethren. Romans 8, 33 says this. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? What's the answer? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Come on, church. What's the answer? Come on, church. You ought to be excited about this. Who can condemn us? What's the answer? No one. 
For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand right now interceding for us. Praise the name of the Lord. Listen, you don't have to be worried or concerned about the accusatory work of the devil because Jesus is right now claiming you as his own, interceding for you, sticking up for you, and defending you before the accuser as he stands at the throne of heaven. As Actually, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne. Who do you think God's gonna listen to? <laughs> I know. That's why we can with confidence say there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right, truth number four. I got 16 minutes. You need to strap your buckle down and we're gonna go for it, all right? Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. One author wrote this. How do you know Satan is a liar? It's because his lips are moving. And uh, Jesus bore this out in John 8, 44, where he, re- he, re- he says this. Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You just need to understand that Satan is a liar and he is binding people with his lies. In fact, the one place where spiritual warfare is truly fought is on the battlefield of truth. That's where the biggest battle is taking place. And when you live according to the truth found in God's word, you live in victory. But when you live according to the lies of the enemy, you live in defeat every day, all day long. Satan is always trying to get you to believe the lie. He actually tempts us with lies tried this with Jesus in the wilderness, and when he did, Jesus hurled the truth at him. Every time, Jesus named the lie and then hits him with the word of truth, and this is how the battle is fought and won. Satan comes along to you, and he says, you're going to love this. He holds out this sumptuous temptation before you because he's been studying you and because he knows that you really like this stuff, is, is it a surprise to anybody in the room why the things you really like always appear before you and are tempting you, right? Okay. Do you know I'm never tempted with broccoli? <laughs> ever? I mean, ever? He's never coming at me with that. But he comes at you with things, these sumptuous temptations, and he says, you're going to love this. And what God's people need to write, because that's a lie, by the way, The things of the world we are never going to love and shouldn't, especially when he's bringing them. And when he hits us with that lie, you ought to fire back with, no, I won't. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. Oh, yeah, but if you do this, it will really make you happy. In fact, you're gonna find true happiness in this thing that I give you here. All you gotta do is take it and buy into it. And you need to respond, no, I won't be happy. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it leads to destruction. If I dive into that sin, I will not prosper. This won't screw up your marriage. How many times have men heard this when they're out on a business trip? Or when they're out on vacation somewhere and they're away from their wife, 
And Satan comes along with some temptress and the word in his mind, the lie is, you won't, you'll, get, you'll be able to get away with this. This won't ruin your marriage. And you need to write back, and, write back in his face and says, that's a lie. It will end in destruction and you will go down with all the others who've walked that path ahead of you. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that the truth is if you walk down that path, when you get down to the end of that path, you'll see a whole bunch of other bones of the fools who have walked that path before you. That's a lie that it won't rip apart your marriage. This will only hurt a little. No, it won't. This won't take your family down. Yes, it will. This won't destroy your effectiveness for the kingdom. It absolutely will. How about this one? You won't get caught. <laughs> you need to fire back in his face with that lie. Yes, I will. Because this is what God said. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. What a man sows, he will reap. What a woman sows, she will reap. What a child sows, they will reap. If you hear that voice from Satan that says, you can get away with it, there's no big deal, just do it. You fire up in his face and say, that's not true, Satan. You're a liar. Be like Jesus. Name the lie and then throw the book at him. Just take the truth of God's word and just throw it at him. He can't stand in the middle of that. I love Spurgeon on this. He says, if our Lord and Master selected this true Jerusalem blade of the word of God, let us not hesitate for a moment, but grasp and hold fast this one true weapon of the saints in all times. Cast away that wooden sword of carnal reasoning. Trust not in human eloquence, but arm yourselves with the solemn declaration of God who cannot lie, and you need not fear Satan and all of his hosts. Jesus selected the best weapon, and what is best for him is best for you. Man, I love that. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Satan's strength and power fall in the face of God's truth and the truth will set you free. All right, number five and number six are like victory passages, okay, that we're gonna look at. This is really good news, so are you ready? Sit up, come on, you got a couple more minutes in you? Can you do it? All right, let's go. Satan is limited. I love this. We're gonna go to Job chapter one. Job chapter one, if you're unfamiliar with your Old Testament, um, go to the middle of your Bible, flop it open, you'll probably get to Psalm or Proverbs and then go left, and Job is right before Psalm. But Job one is this tragic story of Satan attacking one of God's servants, okay? So here we go in verse six of Job chapter one. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. This is in the spiritual realm. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Isn't it interesting? That, doesn't that sound interestingly like, like a lion? Very interesting that he uses that for himself. Verse eight, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now, 
Stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face, which was a lie. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, listen to this closely, okay? Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Now let me just tell you that this story in the Bible, just like all the stories in the Bible, this story was written to teach us and encourage us and give us hope here today that Satan is limited and can only do what God allows him to do. He does not have unlimited access to your life anytime he wants to. He had to get permission from God to be able to touch his servant. And I hope that that brings comfort to you. It should bring comfort to you. I wanna ask you though, do you trust in that truth? That Satan is limited and he can't touch you. You're his child, my friends. Now, maybe you have issues with the fact that God allows those things to happen. Okay, that's, we've dealt with that before in the past. We'll deal with that again in the future. But right now, you need to find strength and encouragement and a hope in the, in the truth that Satan is limited. God is at work in your life. And he may allow things to come in, but Satan cannot just enter into your life and do whatever he wants to do. You're his child. He's watching over. You're gonna see that in here in just a little bit. In fact, you need to understand this truth if you're going to survive the hardest fought battles in your life. When some of those really, really hard things come that don't make sense at all, you need to trust in the fact that it may seem like you're getting an attack like you've never had before, but that God is at the helm, that God understands, and God's okay. And he's working everything out for your good because he loves you. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul tells us that God is faithful, and he will not allow the tempter to overtake you. And that's really good news. Satan is limited. He's powerful, but he isn't anything like God. Here's a couple of things for your notebook God is omniscient, Satan is not. Omniscience means that he's all-knowing. Satan is limited in his knowledge. Satan doesn't know everything. And so Satan doesn't know your thoughts. He doesn't know your mind. In fact, the Bible is clear that only Jesus knows what's in the heart of a man. Satan doesn't know that, he's not omniscient. One, one, one commentator said, Satan doesn't know everything, he's limited in his knowledge, so be very careful what you say. Remember, they're listening and they're watching. But Satan is limited. He's not omniscient. Here's another one. He's not omnipresent. These are attributes of God, by the way, proving that Satan is nothing like God. But somehow people think that he is everywhere at once, that Satan is omnipresent. That is not true. Satan is limited to space and time. He's a spirit, but he is limited to space and time. He is not like God, who's everywhere all, and I don't understand that omnipresence of God, but I do understand that Satan is not omnipresent. Here's another thing he's not. He's not omnipotent, which means all-powerful. His strength is limited, and God limits his strength. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says this, the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Take hope and comfort in that. Are you still with me? You got one more, one more in you? All right, number six. Truth number six, and this is the best one of all. Satan is our defeated foe. 
Anybody want to shout hallelujah just before we even get into that, okay? Satan is our defeated foe, all right? He's our enemy, but he is a defeated enemy. And take your Bibles and turn to Colossians 2.15. And while you're doing that, I'm going to read to you 1 John 3.8. 1 John 3.8 says, The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, we're going to celebrate next week in his death, his burial, and his resurrection is the reality of this verse in 1 John 3.8, that Jesus, the Son of God, has come to destroy the works of the devil. So he has already done that work. And we're living on the other side of Calvary. We're living on the other side of the empty tomb. That's really good news. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus' work on the cross disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly. I love that. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Satan thought, I've done it. I've got him. I've killed him. And he's dead, and he's wrapped up, and he's put into a tomb, and there's this giant stone over him. He's done. He's finished. But what we're going to celebrate next week is the victorious resurrection of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ from the dead, who put death to death and was victorious over sin and the grave. And his victory, my friends, is our victory. You need to praise the Lord about that. Romans 16, 20, Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under whose feet? Your feet. Wouldn't it have been awesome if the day that Satan appeared as a serpent in the garden and he slithered up to Eve and he tempted them with eating the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and told them the lies about what would actually happen. If, if Adam had manned up at that point and he had walked over and just gone like this, here's the deal, Satan. <laughs> Liar. How different would the world be if that had happened? Huh? Okay, listen to me, my friends. You are powerful, and you are victorious in Jesus Christ. You don't have to listen to his stuff. You don't have to take it. You don't have to be deceived by his lies. Stomp him out. Man, you see him coming? Stomp him out. Get wise to who he is. <laughs> The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Hey, anyone in favor of going into battle already knowing that we win? Anybody in favor of that? How awesome is that? Because the enemy is already defeated. Knowing that every single blow of your sword is that much closer to the already determined outcome. We win. Okay, I thought that was like a huge delay. <laughs> All right? You may have come in here thinking you're sitting next to a bunch of losers today, but the reality is you're sitting next to winners, my friends. And I didn't really mean it the way that it sounded, okay, about the loser part. But look at the person on your left and on your right. Everyone who is in Jesus Christ is a winner. You are sitting with winners today. We need to lift up our voice and shout hallelujah for that because we have an enemy who is already defeated. Stand with me as I close with this verse. Corbin actually, man, just broke my heart. And Where are you, Corbin? Are you in here? Whew. Okay, girlfriend, you need to sit down in the front now. 
You just take all your buddies and you come down here and sit in the front. Listen, Isaiah, right? Isaiah chapter 54, 17. Take hope in this. Take strength in this, okay? No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. This is your birthright, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the heritage of the children of God that we can take our stand. Is Satan powerful? Yes, he is. Is he real? Yes, he is. Is he at work every single day? But you don't need to be afraid of him. You can stand and oppose him, and when you oppose him in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, he will flee from you. He will run from you because he is powerless before God and his people and the truth. He has no power here. I I tend to be tempted to be afraid to preach on this kind of stuff, but I'm thinking, why? Why? What can he do to me? Can't do anything to me, the scripture says, that God doesn't allow. And if God's gonna allow him to come at me and do something at me, then God's gonna use it in some powerful way to flip it on his head and we will soon crush Satan under our feet. Walk on that on your way out. Listen to the crunch of his bones. He has no power here. Let me pray. Oh, Lord, thank you, because we know that without your Holy Spirit and without the power at work within us, Uh, we would just be powerless against this enemy. Thank you for the truth, the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, and that he has no authority in your house. And we are your temple. So I just pray that you'll give my brothers and sisters strength in this message, in this truth and that they will walk in this truth, and that they will shore up their armor, and they will sharpen their swords, and they will be in your word to be able to counter the attack of the devil. And let me just pause while you have your heads bowed and just challenge you on this, because there might be some people in here right now today, and you're all bound up in sin. You're, you're what the scripture describes as as you've got cords of sin that are binding you and pulling you down and holding you back from being everything God wants you to be, I want you to know that that sin has no power over you. If you're in Jesus Christ, you have been set free from the power of sin. Sometimes we get all upside down in in giving in to the temptations that are all around us. And we need some help to have some people pray over us. And what I want you to do is if that's you today and you're completely upside down and you can't see your way forward and you feel completely defeated by the attack of Satan, I want you to come forward and everybody leaves out the back. You come to the front and you just come down here and you let us help you and pray over you that you'll be released and you can walk out of here today a new person. In fact, you may 
not be in Christ today and you know it and you know you live in defeat every single day because of the attack of the enemy. I want you to know that you can be free in Jesus Christ. And we'd love to help you find Jesus today and give your heart to him. Just come up here and let us know and we wanna work. If you're online and this is you that I'm talking about, please reach out to our prayer partners right now and we'll help you with this. Lord, help us to walk in the victory that is already ours. As we go out of this place, help us to kick loose the trappings of this world that want to hold us back, that are drawing us and tempting us, and walk in the freedom that you've given to us and use us powerfully until we come together again next week uh, to celebrate the great victory of the resurrection. Bless my brothers and sisters now and protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. Go with the Lord. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcar.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.